Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. When we are in the darkness, whatever that is in your own particular story, the temptation is to believe that it's always going to feel this way. We fear the darkness and for good reason. But darkness is not the end. It is only the beginning. That's according to today's guest, Leanna Tankersley. She herself knows exactly what that feels like after 15 years of marriage, everything came to an abrupt end. She's going to share her own personal journey today on Connections and how she managed to find hope anyway throughout all of this. We'll hear that and so much more today. We're joined today by Leanna Tankersley. She is a writer. She's authored several books. She's also a mother and a hope warrior. That's where I want to start, that hope warrior. Um, (laughs) Tell us about that. I was reading about that and I love it. It just stood out to me. Yeah, well, um, I don't know if you guys know the backstory on me and this book, but in 2017, very unexpectedly, my marriage ended. And um, as a result of going through that tragedy and that crisis and that kind of just overall undoing in my life, I... I got in touch with this part of me that um, despite really difficult circumstances, despite a lot of just murky, messy middle, um, I I just felt like there was this part of me underneath all that that was resilient and that was somehow in some way going to find a way through this through with my, the help of my community and the help of my faith and being a friend to myself, somehow I was going to be able to make a way through this. And it was like this little secret I was carrying, you know, like, yeah, I'm in the darkness, but it's, there's a light in there too. And then as I, as I kind of wanted to, to, to write about that and talk about that. And as I was doing that for my own purposes, just like in my own journal, the pandemic started and I saw it all over, all around us, that there is this resiliency in people. There is this innovation and creativity that is there. Um, and it sort of shines brightest when things are darkest. And so I wrote a book called Hope Anyway, which is just a celebration of what happens when we find ourselves in the dark and we have precious, beautiful people that reach toward us. We have our faith that reaches toward us in those times. And we, um, we start to put life back together again, painstakingly, not perfectly, but we start realizing that uh, there are still things that are worthy of our hope, even after great loss. When, when it did begin to fall apart for you, did you, what happened to your hope and your faith? Yeah. Well, you know, I think anyone that's sort of been blindsided, your first question is kind of, God, where are you in this? And um, it's, it's hard to know always what to do, when to fight and when to hold on and when to let go and when to surrender. And yet I felt like, and I talk about this throughout the book, that God was very near and that was a grace and that God's voice was very, very close to me. And so There are points throughout the whole book where I share times where I felt like the voice of God was just speaking to me and saying, Leanna, you need to let go now. Leanna, um, you're not losing your person. You're finding your person and your person is you. And, And on and on throughout the book, I talk about how this voice of love was just right with me. And so I think for some people, this, this can be an undoing of their faith, a tragedy like this, but for, for, through grace, I think, um, this galvanized my faith because I felt like God was so near to me. 
I've been hearing that a lot lately that um, some of the darkest moments in people's lives, the most traumatic moments have now become, this sounds horrible, but the best things that could have yep. ever happened in their lives. Uh, how do we get everyone <laughs> to feel that way, right? How do we yeah. get to a point where everyone can feel that? Well, a couple things. And I think you're right. You know, that you talk to people who are a little bit on the other side of their, their dark night of the soul. And they will tell you, most of these people will tell you, I wish the hard thing, the bad thing had never happened to me. I wish it had never happened to my family, my community. I wish it had never happened, but I wouldn't trade who I have become as a result. And I think that's what we need to focus on is that um, there, there's really a lot of transformational power in grief and loss and in healing. And I, I start the book with this quote from one of my very favorite spiritual writers, Barbara Brown Taylor. I don't know if you guys are familiar with her, but she has this beautiful book titled learning to walk in the dark. And, um, and, and this is the quote and this, I, I had already read this book prior to going through this loss. Um, but this quote really stood out to me. And it, she says this new life starts in the dark, whether it's a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, new life starts in the dark. And I think that we, when we can get our heads around that and we can start to kind of put some hope in that, that there are seeds for new life in the darkness, that there are seeds for new beginnings and endings, then we can start to feel like, yeah, this is a horrible thing, but there is some really creative possibility that could come out of it. Do we need to experience that darkness, that trauma to to find God or to realize that we have this amazing relationship with God or that we have all of this stuff in our lives. Yeah. I mean, I wish we didn't. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be great if we just never had to go through a hard thing and we could have this really deeply, um, you know, we could possess this really deeply and maturely evolved faith, but I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question exactly, except for to say that even Jesus had to be in the garden and even Jesus had to surrender to, uh, uh, unfolding that he didn't necessarily want. And that in that surrender is when, um, you know, the, the story came together. And so I look at that a lot and I think, gosh, if even Jesus had to be in the garden up all night praying, saying, please, I wish this wasn't happening to me. Um, and yet he was his, his father was God, you know, then there is something in that for us that we do have to surrender um, to these these difficult moments and they're going to come and it doesn't mean that it's a failing for of us necessarily. It's part of the human experience. And I, I always say too, that um, w- when we are in these places, it's highly vulnerable. Like no one wants to be this vulnerable. No one wants to be the guy on the stretcher that's getting moved around by his friends. You know, everyone wants to be the strong friend. And yet in our vulnerability, it kind of, it ends up putting us, in this kind of right relationship, like it, it reminds us of our need that we need God, we need our people, and it also requires us to be a lot more compassionate with ourselves. Um, and mm. so, in that way, I think, yeah, I think <laughs> if we want to have a deeper faith and a deeper sense of our own dependence, I think it does sometimes take us having to go through these sort of head-on collisions. Vulnerability, like it, it kind of requires more strength to be vulnerable, doesn't it? It's pretty easy to show up at church on a Sunday morning and everybody's like, how are you? And you just lie and say, oh, I'm fine and walk away, right? Yeah. But to be honest with people around you, I'm struggling with this. I need prayer for this. I need help with this. Uh, yeah, I think 
that really requires a lot more strength in our culture, at least, because it's seen as weakness almost in ways to some. I totally agree with that. And I think that's an important reframe for all of us, that vulnerability is a showing of strength. You know, I think about Jesus showing up in the upper room after his resurrection and he shows up and, and the disciples say, well, how do we know it's you? How do we know it's really you? And what does he show them? He shows hmm. them his wounds, right? He shows them his hands and he shows them his side. And he says, this is how you'll know who I am. You know, and I think about that as a model for us that we, we want to show people our really slick, perfect exteriors. I mean, I'm so guilty of this. Like you will love me if I can show you the most perfect version of myself. And Jesus is the model to us that it's actually people. We, we authenticate ourselves uh, when we show people, look what's happened to me. And, and it's been hard. And yet here I am, you know, and that helps people connect to us. Uh, I think more than look at what a superstar I am. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you had that community come and surround you in your mm-hmm. darkest time. What was it like for them and um, for the relationships with those people when they watched you go from this dark place to who you are today? Well, I, I have had a loud cheering section, you know, and I, I know that not everyone has that. I'm very aware of that because as I've gone through this divorce, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and just say, I'm alone. You know, I'm just absolutely alone, but My community has been spectacular, and it's another reason why I really wanted to write this book, because I want anyone who's going through loss or undoing in their life to not have to go through that alone. I didn't have to, and I don't want anyone, anyone, anyone. The darkness is isolating enough, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, I just want this this book to be a hand reaching toward anyone who's like, I'm in that place, and I don't have this glorious community, but I did, and it was it saved me. You know, it was all of these people that just wouldn't let me go and kept reminding me, we see strength in you. We see wisdom in you, reminding me of who I am, reminding me that rebuilding and beginning again is possible. And so, you know, I guess if someone's listening and they don't have that, I just, I would hope that they would allow me or allow this book and this message to be that for them because no one can get through it alone. Mm -hmm. It's so important to have those spoken reminders to us, whether it's friends around us, or maybe you read it in a book because the inside voices tell us one thing, right? In times like that, where, yeah, we've more worthless or different lies like that. Right. But what a great reminder for people to tell us that. Yeah. And it's so true. You know, I think that shame has a heyday, especially as we were talking about a minute ago, when we start to feel that vulnerability, it's the voice of shame or those soul bullies, as I call them sometimes that want to come in and pile on. And that just keeps us all the more paralyzed. And so when people can come around us and say, actually, that's not the truest thing about you. Actually, you're not failing. This is just hard, you know, and if, if those voices of truth can come around us, it can help us grieve and move through the process instead of getting completely stuck. So I totally agree with you. The title of your book. It's very simple. (laughs) Hope anyway, without the subtitle there, hope anyway. Mm -hmm. That is extremely powerful. Why'd you decide to go with that as your title? Well, it's a great question. I think that um, when we go through loss, especially loss, like a crisis that we did not see coming, it can, it can really complicate our relationship with, with hope. And, um, I think hope can be really tricky and hope again, is really vulnerable to say that I am allowing my desire for something to surface, or I'm allowing my, um, 
a possibility that I'm holding. I'm, I'm allowing myself to admit that it's really, really vulnerable. And it can be really tricky after we go through loss. But I know from a lot of research that living as a cynic or living as a, you know, just apathetically or very, very numbed out is not the way that I want to live. I want to live. And I know that hope, even in our brain chemistry is one of the most healing things that we can hold in our bodies. And so I want to be a person of hope. But I tagged on that anyway, because I know what it's like to lose hope and to say, well, what's, what's the point? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't turn out the way you want anyway. Hmm. And so I wanted to address that because I didn't want to just tie a big red bow on all this. My marriage did not reconcile. Uh, it did, the outcome did not turn out the way I had wanted. But I parsed this out a little bit in the book that a lot of us think of hope as wishing Oh, I, I hope the Padres win the World Series. Oh, I hope it snows this winter. I hope I get this or that for Christmas. And it's like wishing. And then when we don't get the outcome we want, it's like, well, hope is worthless. What I want to talk about and what I have been talking about and trying to practice in my own life is not hoping for something, hoping in something, that we don't hope for a product or an outcome. We hope in a process, in our own becoming in the deepening of our faith, as we've talked about, our own strength and vulnerability. And so, um, you know, it's kind of bad news <laughs> because we all want things to just turn out a certain way. Like, of course, that's very human. But I wanted, I wanted to talk about what's it like when you lose, when you don't get the outcome you want, and yet you decide you're still going to invest hope in these very important things in your life anyway. I love that. Well, so what was it like writing the book for you then? Uh, uh, sometimes really hard to relive those moments, yeah. but yet you're finding so much hope at the same time. Yeah, this is the most personal book I've ever written because it comes out of the most personal circumstances in my life. And it was, I had to take breaks. I've never had to do that before. Mm. I had to take breaks. Even when I was, I, I recorded the audiobook. I had to take a couple breaks. There's a particular chapter where I go back and as a result of the divorce, we needed to sell our family home. And there's a chapter uh, that's, that talks about that and talks about going back into the living room of this home that I loved and saying thank you to the home and goodbye. Mm. And it was so, I'm telling you guys, I mean, I can feel it right now. It's just like, it's very, very tender. And when you go through a divorce, you don't just lose that primary relationship. There are a lot of tentacles of loss in addition. And I wanted to represent that in the book. And um, so yeah, I even that particular chapter is very difficult for me because it's a tangible reminder of some of the things that I loved that I lost. And yet um, I talk about how we can on some, some small level make peace with that and say, thank you and goodbye. But um, I've had, the book comes out on Tuesday and I've had a really, uh, it's been an emotional week. I find myself really tired, you know, and emotionally like it's a lot to go back and talk about um, the specifics of this whole journey. Divorce, when it comes to divorce, that is such a taboo subject in mm -hmm. the faith community, in the Christian world. Uh, how has it been speaking about it? I know you mentioned how you've been feeling, but what has the response been like from those who who've been able to hear your story? Yeah, I, I agree. And there was a, there was a full over a year that I didn't even mention this publicly. It was still unfolding and happening for one reason, but I did feel like it was very taboo and I felt disqualified. I, I just felt very disqualified. Um, like I'm going through this and now it's like a scarlet letter, you know, and I have a really dear friend who's a marriage and family therapist 
And she said to me, just in a casual conversation, I was kind of saying that to her, like, I just, I, I feel just marked by this. And um, I, I don't feel like maybe it's ever something I'll be able to talk about. And she just looked at me and she said, you know, over 50% of the population is going through what you're going through right now. And they would love to know how you're walking through it and how God is showing up for you in this. And it just, it, it was just such an important reminder that a lot of the things that we consider taboo are the very things that people are walking through and mm. need hope in and need help or just need to need someone to talk about because they feel shame as well. That's such a great point. I just instantly thought of like Jesus and his ministry and nothing was taboo for him. He went to those people and uh, thinking of, um, was it the woman at the well? Um, right. How many husbands she's had. Right. And he's like, I know. Right. I know. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Come to me and walk this way from now on. Right. And, and he was constantly reaching out to hurting people and not judging them. Just saying, I know it's okay. Come to me. Yeah. I love that, Mike. I think that's exactly right. And so when we make these subjects off limits or like, oh, well, we can't talk about that in church or in faith communities or in Christian books, then we're saying to people, you should be ashamed of this, you know, and that right. was never Jesus' posture, never Jesus' posture. He said, yeah. guys, just what you said, come to me, let's sit down, let's talk about it. It's not hidden from me. I know what's going on. Let's get support and help. The only time I picture him being like towards people you should be ashamed is when he was talking to the super religious people caught up in the rules right so that's so good isn't that the truth and it's hard you know having written this book it's very hard to write about things that are this personal and that you do feel like maybe uh just show people your human guts but i have Hmm. found that people have come forward and said thank you and i'm right there and i'm in the dark and i needed this it's definitely those books and those conversations that help I hope so. I hope so. And it's really been my heart. You know, as I said earlier, I just don't want anyone to go through these dark nights and feel like no one understands. I understand. And, I, and I've and i tried my best to articulate that in a way that would feel like it could be a companion to those people who were there. It's always a little more, I don't know what the word is, uh, when someone's been there and done that, they've been through that situation, people can't question it. They can't question what you're writing about, what you're saying, because you've been there. You understand completely. So it's an opportunity for people to truly learn. Thanks for saying that. I, I, thanks for saying that, Colleen. I, I, um, I hope, I, I hope that, um, I, I know that this book has come from my bones <laughs> and I know that it's come from my, as best I can, my authentic representation of this experience, the hard days, the triumphs what's worked, what hasn't. And um, so, yeah, I, I really do hope that, that people say, okay, you know, she's been there and uh, she can be a trusted friend in this, in my own journey. Hope anyway, coming out on Tuesday, like you said, tell us where we can get our hands on it and uh, find out more and, and uh, follow along with you. Thanks so much. Yeah. Hope anyway, uh, comes out on August 17th and it's available in hardback in ebook format and an audiobook wherever books are sold online and in stores, you can order it. And, um, yeah, you can find me Leanna Tankersley at leannatankersley.com is my website. And you can find me on Instagram at Leanna Tankersley. And then if you want to learn more about the book, you can go to hopeanywaybook.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
Thanks for having me, you guys. I appreciate our conversation. And thank you so much for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.